does it nurture so that we can take some of the credit or the blame for how they turned out. Well, Psalm 14 verse 2 tells us that the Lord is also looking down upon the, the children of men. The difference is that the Lord created the first man and woman and brought into existence every nation on earth through them. We read in Acts 17 verse 26. As the Lord is looking down from heaven, he knows that he created us perfectly so that we could always know him and praise him and sanctify him in all our words and works. When he looks down from heaven upon the children of men, it is never a question of whether or not he did a good job, either in creating us or saving us. But when a creator looks down from heaven on the children of men, he is looking to see, and we read that in verse 2, if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. When his eyes fall upon your life, does he see a person who understands, who seeks after him? Does he see a righteous person or not? Psalm 14 tells us that God has to conclude that among all the sons of men, there is no one who does good, not even one. Psalm 14 verse 1 tells us that when God looked down to the earth, he sees fools. Fools who are characterized by their lack of love and kindness that God reveals and required in the Ten Commandments. In Psalm 14, being a fool doesn't have anything to do with your worldly success or your talents or your intelligence, but it has to do with your relationship to God and your relationship to your neighbor. A fool is characterized by his actions and by his deeds that are directed against God and against his church, how he sees God and how he sees the person beside him or the person in church. Even if he or she might be confessing out loud that, that, they, that they are religious, which is very likely when Psalm 14 was written, because everyone believed in the supernatural. Atheism of today is a very modern and a new concept. But even if someone is confessing out loud that they are reli religious, these fools, we read, their actions reveal that in their hearts they are saying there is no God. Just knowing that God, or even if I could use the plural gods for the pagans that were also hearing this psalm, just knowing that God exists does not always mean people let this influence their lives on earth. James 2 verse 19 says, even the demons believe that God exists, but this does not make them want to serve him. Our sinful nature wants to pursue its own selfish desires, and so many people have decided that it is better to suppress, to hide, to push the truth down, and then as we read in Psalm 14 verse 3, to turn aside from the truth, and that's called practical atheism. Practical atheism, that's the decision to live as if there is no God or morals, as if we were not accountable to anyone. 
And the results are not pretty. Verses 1 and 3 sum it up to say that people who live as if there is no God become corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. Romans chapter 3 takes Psalm 14 and gives the New Testament commentary on this psalm. Also takes Psalm 53. And then it applies the psalm, psalms to both Gentiles and Jews. Romans 3 explains that the problem of Psalm 14 continued in Paul's days. The total depravity of man had the result that on their own, no one wants to understand God. No one wants to seek Him. And so their lives become filled, and here I quote Romans 3, with lies, poisonous venom, and their hurtful language, with cursing, with bitterness. And Romans 3 reminds us that when God looks down at fallen creatures who are still in their sins, he concludes that everyone has a foolish, sinful nature. Yes, even we who know the gospel, who are led by the Holy Spirit, we know how much we have to fight against the tendency to live as if there is no God in selfish pursuits of our own pleasures. And then Psalm 14, verses 4 to 6, moves to the other side of the situation to show how much this unrighteousness in others and in ourselves can cause damage to God's people. Although they know that God exists in their hearts, they rebel against Him, and then they direct their anger against God's people. You can read exactly that in Revelation 12, verse 17. And then Psalm 14, verse 4, says that they are, they are eating up God's people as a person may eat bread. And verse 6 says they're shaming the plans of the poor. Unbelievers do this when they attack the church from the outside. Hypocrites within the church do this from the inside. And so as we see that, the tension builds up in this psalm. And we ask, what will the Lord do? when he sees his people being devoured. The thought of God defending his people causes his enemies to be terrified. We see that in verse 5. But for the righteous, the poor, and those who submit to the Lord in humility, it is a great comfort to read that the Lord is a refuge. Although the practical atheists may deny that God exists, their ignorance... Their suppression of the truth does not make God go away. And the gospel message that we believe is that when God looked down from heaven and could not see anyone who was righteous among the children of men, he came down himself. When he couldn't find a single righteous man on the earth to save those who rebelled against him, he sent a righteous man to save us, his own son who took on our human nature. And you can see how the psalm moves. It moves from the Lord looking down from heaven, and then in verse 7, to the Lord acting out of Zion, a mountain here on earth where Jerusalem and the temple were built. You notice that movement from heaven and then coming down to earth. 
In Psalm 14, verse 7, the church prays to God that uh, God in heaven that salvation might come out of Zion. And in Romans 3, the Lord revealed the wonderful answer. He would restore the fortunes of his people through his Son, Jesus Christ. The faithfulness of God to his covenant was manifest. We read in Romans 3, verse 25, the faithfulness of God was manifest when he sent Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And then Romans 3, verse 24 explains why this is good news. It means that we are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus when we believe in him by faith. The Lord, you see, the Lord created us so that we would understand, so that we would seek him. And then the Lord comes down beside us to help us when we do not walk to him in our own strength and he carries us. He comes beside the weak and the dependent and the poor in the land to bring us to his salvation, to be our refuge. So we return to the question at the beginning. When the eyes of the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men and he looks at you, you who believe in Jesus Christ, does he see a righteous person or not. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ. He looks at us in Christ. For God certainly sees that many times we are foolish and many times we try to live as if there is no God. And he certainly knows about our corruption and he knows about our lies and that is exactly why he provided the righteous one for us, Jesus Christ. And the gospel is that when we believe in him, although we sin, he counts us as righteous in Jesus Christ. Righteous sinners. Sinners clothed with the perfect righteousness of the one he sent to earth to save us sinners who no longer want to ever forget God. Sinners who now eagerly desire the confirmation of our union, of our fellowship with Christ in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Rather than being eaten like bread by our enemies, we may eat the bread of life, Jesus Christ, with the mouth of faith. We may participate in his victory. We may live safe in his righteousness because he is our refuge. Amen.